Welcome, and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Kelly is the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency in Phoenix, Arizona, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and the You Before Me campaign. She has a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. She was adopted when she was three days old. She was born to a teen birth mother raised in a closed adoption and reunited with her birth mother in 2007. Our goal with the Birth Mother Matters and Adoption podcast is to spread awareness and education about the beautiful choice that is adoption. Adoption has changed drastically over the last hundred years. Looking back at a century of adoption is incredible when we look at how far we've come. Uh, I was adopted in the early 70s, not to date myself, but in the early 70s. And what I experienced as an adoptee compared to what adoptees experience now is literally night and day. So today uh, in this podcast, Ron, we're going to talk about my experiences versus the experiences that adoptees can have if they are part of the adoption triad now and growing up adopted. Very good. All right. So I think one of the main core differences that I see now versus what it was like when I was growing up. And when I say one of the main, there's obviously more than one, but I think there's three really big ones. And those are what I want to really focus on today. The first one is information. Back in the early 70s, there was an identifying information sheet that is filled out, that is still filled out in every adoption, where you know things like the ethnicity of the birth mother and birth father. You know approximately their height and weight. Um, Those type of really general non-identifying facts. And those are fascinating, but they're very few. And yeah, so, it's just not enough. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's like going to a really, really fancy restaurant and they bring you out an entree the size of a tater tot. Like you just get one little nibble and that's it. <laughs> Here's your taste. That's all you got. <laughs> <laughs> you like it? Great. Um, <laughs> so, you know, now because there is everything from uh, 23andMe, Ancestry.com, all of the genetic websites, you can really find, you know, generational ancestors. And, you know, back then you didn't usually didn't have a first name, much less anything else. Uh, So that can happen, you know, now if you have a little bit of information um, and you, you at least have a name or maybe not, maybe you literally just do your DNA test and they're able to link you that way to find your, your ancestors. And for the first time, I actually, I've had the genetic test done. I've had all of the DNA tests done. I've done multiple ones. And I just recently caught the ancestry.com bug where you go back yeah, decade or generation after generation and you see more about your history. And so that's fascinating. When I started it, I had one tree because you have, I, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to research biologic, my biological family, but my adoptive family is really important too. And I want to, I want to understand about them as, as well, because when you look, you know, as a person, a child, an adult, a teenager, what have you, 
Oftentimes it is said what happens to you prior to the age of 10 are significant events that trigger things in your mind. And that's kind of, you are the result of kind of what happens in that first 10 years. And so I think when you are trying to learn about yourself, it's important to learn nature and nurture, Mm -hmm. you know, where you came from and what people who raised you had experienced what, because again, that's what shapes them, which ultimately will shape you because adoption is really nature and nurture. It's not, or it's both. So I I started off with just like a combined tree because you can put in adopted, um, you can put in all these little like references and points and notes, and then it got complicated. So <laughs> I separated it and I have my like adopted tree, biological tree, and then I did a combo tree. So everything takes me three times as long, but it works. It works. And so I think that this information is so valuable. And to somebody who did grow up adopted without this wealth of knowledge, holding on to three or four facts, you know, until I was in my early 30s, learning about this is just indescribable because every time I wanted to, you know, look at making a family tree, I always felt like I feel like I'm not honoring my biological side if I just do the adopted tree and vice versa. I wanted to be able to do both and I couldn't, so I didn't do anything at all. Like you said, the nature and nurture, you want to know the genetics of why you are who you are, but you also want to know the family history of the adoptive family to know, okay, why are they the way they are and how I was raised? And, you know, it. I'm sure that's just got to be blowing your mind. It really is. It's really, it's, it's really consuming and it's, <laughs> um, very gratifying. Um, you know, I, I learned things that as I'm, you know, going through the research, I chuckle to myself cause I'm like, oh, that's why I do that. Or, Oh, <laughs> that's why that happened. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, it, it gives you some sense of understanding. I know my biological birth mom used to always use the phrase, um, you got it honest. So, you know, if I do something, you know, if there's a behavior and someone says, oh, that's annoying, then she would say, oh, well, she got it honest, meaning like <laughs> it wasn't her fault. It was genetically passed on to her. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the wealth of information out there is is incredible. And I can't express how positive that is for adoptees. I think that that is single handedly one of the most amazing things and breakthroughs for adoptees. So that's the first thing that I think is mm-hmm. incredible and helpful very helpful the second one is one that i'm i'm guessing a lot of people wouldn't have thought of as a huge shift adoption used to be viewed as an event as a single event in time you mm-hmm. would um, early and this is in the you know 80s 70s 60s 50s you know as you keep going um however it's not it's a lifelong experience And so because we view it as it's something, you know, that you have for the rest of your life. So like um, you've talked a lot about issues you've had with your eyes. That's something that you Mm -hmm. um, deal with every day in one form or fashion. Same with adoption. It's the same. It's always there. Some days it may be in the very back of the book, the last page, but it's not something that happened and it's over. It's very alive and present. And, you know, again, I was in my early 30s when I found my birth mother. And so that itself has been a process. 
I think every time you find out more information about your biological family or even your adopted family, I think that's a process because again, how, when the two collide, what happens? You know, when biologically you have, maybe you have a musical talent that runs genetically through your blood. Okay. Um, you are gifted in, in the art of music and maybe your adoptive family has instilled when you pick up a hobby, you become very dedicated to that hobby. You know, we don't quit when we start a softball team, we finish the season out. We don't no show when it's time to um, go on stage for the play. We, we follow through. So again, both of those sides are going to collide in an amazing way and produce a special person. I'm fascinated by the whole concept of this because you do, you look at, at somebody, you don't look at them nowadays and say, oh, you remember that time you adopted the kid? No, it's an ongoing <laughs> process that they've all developed kind of like we all do with everything in life, I guess. So I think that the more we learn about ourselves, I think the one, I think the more self-confident we will be because uh, knowledge breeds power and everyone likes to feel in control. They don't mm. want to, you know, be a light leaf that is being flown all over the front driveway. They want to be the rock that is solid and they know what's happening. You know, the, the rain isn't going to move the rock and the, um, the sun isn't going to wither the rock. And so the cold isn't going to damage the rock when it freezes. It. So, you know what I mean? It's like, we all want to be that solid individual. And I think that is really, really important. The third point that is very different from then to now regarding adoption is most definitely adoption awareness overall in general and society's perception of it. So I think that we have made great strides in teaching the world about adoption, you know, everything from domestic adoption to international adoption. I think we have in the adoption community really worked hard to spread the word about adoption because normalizing it is only going to make the world a better place, making it. So it's not, you're not the sore thumb that sticks out when, when you're an adopted kid in a classroom full of other kids that may or may not be adopted too. Um, it's, you don't normally walk into a classroom, raise your hand and say, hi, I'm adopted. I mean, that's not <laughs> something that uh, children normally do because they don't want to stand out. They don't want to be different. They want to be like everybody else. And with the way that adoption has come past all of this, the you know, being a secret or being something that you really don't want to bring up and you don't know how to address it, all that's going away. And so because that's going away, it's, it's becoming, and it is known as another way to build a family. You know, it's it's people have always known or some people who have um, had to go outside of the traditional way to have a child have known about adoption in most cases. But I think the people that don't have to, you know, look outside their front door to try to figure out a way to build a family, I think knowledge is reaching and people are talking and it's becoming normal. And we're seeing it on TV shows and movies and the perception is changing and the language people are using about adoption is changing. And those are positive things. And the more positive that we are about adoption, the easier we are making it for 
birth mothers, people or children that have been adopted, and birth mothers and birth fathers. Because this is a very special sacred relationship and trust between this triad. And when it is viewed and accepted as positive, then everyone feels safe, secure, and loved. When people start coming in, you know, in questioning adoption and using non-positive adoption language, it, it casts like a darker cloud on adoption. And that does that hurts people in the triad. When an adoptive family is at the park with their lunches and their kiddos are playing on the playground and maybe they're meeting all of their friends, they don't want to walk in and be like, hi, I'm the adoptive mom and this is my adopted child and we're going to play at the adopted playground. And they, you know, they want their mom. They're not the adoptive mom, their yeah. mom. And then comes in the question, well, what about the birth mom? She's mom too. Some children call, you know, they have special names for the birth mother. Um, I didn't. I called the both mom. So it just depends on what's comfortable and what everybody is okay with. So I think that, you know, when when you sit down and you really break this out in your head, you know, back when I was younger, people knew of my parents' friends. They knew that I was adopted. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't like I was playing over at Jane's house and my mom called to my doctor mom called to have me come home for dinner. It wasn't like her mother would say, OK, Kelly, your adoptive mom wants you to come home for dinner. Like it wasn't it wasn't that at all. Right. And so it wouldn't be that now either, which is great. That's you know, we want it just to be mom says come home. Yeah. So breaking down these barriers, we don't have to constantly identify, oh, this child was adopted. This is an adopted child. Forget it. This is a child. This is the child's mom. Right. Let's like well, that's just like with anything else. I mean, when you when you think of grandparents, some people call their grandparents grandfather and grandmother and grandpa and grandma, mima, papa. You know, there's different names and kind of like the different name for the birth mother and the adoptive mother. And like you said, yours everybody has different traditions or things that they do and that's that doesn't have to do with adoption it just has to do with personalities right right we've always referred to the united states or america as a melting pot well why mm -hmm. can't that with adoption as well i mean we're, we come from all different areas different belief systems we have different values and morals in in some aspects i mean mm -hmm. obviously everybody agrees on the big majority ones you know the big guys but um <laughs> You know, with, with the little ones, I mean, people may have different views and expectations. And I think it's important to understand and celebrate the fact that adoption has drastically changed over the course of the last hundred years, both international and domestic. In this podcast, we primarily focused, obviously, on the domestic adoption. But I think it's important to note that we are headed in the right direction. And I'm excited to see where we're going to keep going. Now, is there anything that you kind of predict for the future when it comes to adoption. The reason I ask is I think of, okay, yeah, movies and TV shows, they've really started to incorporate adoptions very well. However, the one thing that I sort of feel like it's missing, you don't hear a lot about the birth mom in these stories. You see the adoptive parents and their new baby and whatever, but you don't hear a lot about the birth parents. Correct. Um, I do think that is changing. 
Um, and I'm hoping that it will change. We, you know, we, we definitely now understand through research and studies and stories that this affects the birth mother as well. And she need she is an integral part of this triad. And in my opinion, as we become more open and accepting as a society, as a whole, that's going to include her more and more and more. And I think, again, as we continue to normalize all of this, I think we're actually going to see an increase in adoptions because the more common things are, the more they happen, then it just takes on a life of its own. And so an example would be VHS versus CDs Mm -hmm. or DVDs. And, you know, we, we had something that we used for a long time and then we found a way to make it better. Right. Just like an option. We found a way to make the process of adoption better and longstanding. And we understand that it is a process. It's not an event. And that's huge. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. Or you can reach us on our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and tell your friends about us. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then. <laughs>